This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. The guys are on live from 5:30 until 10 on your radio home of Chicago. Cubs baseball. That is, of course, 670 the score. We're calling this one season one, episode 31, and we've named it Red Assed. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy buddy Crowley. Crowley, good afternoon. How are you? I'm feeling a little bit better than Rowan Wick. Uh, you can follow me at <laughs> Crowley's Cubs, and you can follow us at Fly the W670 at Instagram and Twitter, Fly the W on Facebook, or email us at Fly the W at gmail.com. Well, as we were getting settled in to get this one rolling, I had given Crowley a little crap and said, uh, your guy, Rowan Wick. He said, oh, my guy. But we'll get we'll get into that in a few minutes. And you might already know where we're going with this since the name of this episode is called Red Ass. But let's start out game one, Wade Miley and Justin Dunn, Crowley. How did that one go? Well, I was at the game. I was at the game and, and, and I was in my seats for half the game. And then we got promoted to the suites. So we were living the suite life. It was pretty cool. Uh you know, top of the first, I barely sat down with my beer. Jonathan India walks. Almore Re- Almor reaches on a fielder's choice. Magical is trying to get the lead runner, and he threw it away. So you had a couple runners on for Kyle Farmer, who we're going to say his name a whole bunch. He got a triple, and like I said, barely got a first sip of beer in, and the Cubs are trailing two to nothing. Bottom of the first, though, Ian Happ has been red hot. He has a solo homer. Cubs trail 2-1, no big deal. Top of the third, though. Kyle Farmer comes back at it again. Solo home run, and the Cubs lead 3-1. to one. But the game changes in the top of the fifth. Uh, you knew that Wade Miley wasn't going to be going long because, you know, he, had, he just came back from injury. In fact, he went longer than most people thought. But in comes in recent call-up, Hayden Wesniski, who the Cubs got from the Yankees in the Scott Efros trade. And he comes in, and he strikes out Austin Romine and Jonathan India and the crowd just erupts and for and and you could clearly put a pin in the moment that you know i know people don't really put a lot of stock in the momentum but when hayden came into that game doing what he was doing people got fired up 
Very jealous, Carly, that you were at that game. It came off really well, both on the Marquee Network and on 670 to score. I was going back and forth between each of those broadcasts, seeing his family and friends get so into it. And the movement, I don't know if I don't know if being there, Crowley, was the same. I mean, I would have loved to have been there with you having a beer. I don't know if you could see the movement on the ball as well as you could see it on the marquee network. I mean, it looked like he was throwing a wiffle ball and was doing backyard tricks. That's how much that ball was moving. Yeah, and actually where I was, I was in uh, in my seats for a little, until about the fifth inning, and then we went to the suite, and so we were kind of like right behind home plate, so I had a great viewpoint, and not only that, you could also see the hitters' reactions, and they, they were, they were kind of just looking silly. I mean, I know the Reds don't have the greatest lineup, but, but just, again, like you said, the movement on the pitches, the break, the way the hitters were reacting, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was so much fun, and right after he comes in, the Cubs, uh, you know, get right at it. Alfonso Rivas walks. Morel bunts him over to second. Magical grounds out, but then Seiya Suzuki homers to left, and the game is tied at three. You get to the bottom of the six. Nico Horner with the leadoff single, and Ortega walks. Uh, Horner moves to second. Gomes bunts, and runners move to second and third. Higgins flies out. Morel walks. Magical singles to right. Horner and Ortega score, and just like that, the Cubs take a five to three lead. Bottom of the seventh, Fran Mel Reyes singles, Horner's hit by a pitch, Ortega strikes out, Gomes flies out, but he PJ Higgins walks, the bases are loaded with two outs, and Christopher Morell comes through with a clutch single. Reyes and Horner score Higgins to second. Cubs lead seven to three. Magical walks to load the bases, and then Saya walks. Higgins score. Cub lead eight to three. Bottom of the eighth, one out, Nico Horner triples. Ortega with the sack fly. Cubs lead nine four. And that's the final. Miley, four innings pitch, two hits, three runs, two earned, two walks, six Ks. But it was the Hayden Wesniski. It was a cool story because Wade Miley, you know, they come in to do the uh, to do the post game. You know, right. they got it all set up for him. And he tells the beat writers, what are you doing coming to interview me? You need to see, did you see what that kid just did? Right. What do you so, want to talk to me for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't just, you know, it, it literally everybody was just amazed. He makes his MLB debut, and he throws five innings, allowed two hits, one walk, while striking out eight batters in route to pick up his first win ever. He becomes the first leader, uh, first reliever in Major League history since at least 1901 to make his Major League debut with at least five scoreless innings, allowed two or fewer hits, and striking out eight batters come on Crowley don't just brush over that like that since you just since 1901 since 1901 I mean that's amazing you know me guys have pitched in baseball since 1901 I mean that's a crazy debut crazy debut and like you said, uh, you know, I, I couldn't see the family very well from where I was, but I, there's a TV in the suite and you're just watching. And, and, and you know, because you're looking back, looking at replays after, like, did I just see what I thought? And so we were watching it. And it, it, it was such a fun time, man. The offense had nine runs on nine hits, 10 left on base, three for 12 with runners in scoring position, magical two for four. Horner went two for three. Good to see him kind of bust out of it a little bit. Suzuki continues with the hot bat, one for three with three RBIs. You know, for the Reds, Dunn went 4.2 innings, pitch, gave up four hits, three runs, four walks, one K. The offense had three runs on four hits, five left on base, two for seven with runners in scoring position. Kyle Farmer, two for four, three RBIs. But again, the, the, the ballpark was buzzing so bad, especially as everyone was pouring themselves out of Wrigley Field. 
Yeah, I expected uh, good things after that game, Crawley. I was I was feeling it. I was pumped up on uh, Wednesday morning on the score. It was so much fun playing back all those highlights, all those strikeouts. It played a bunch of post game from him on the Mully and Haw pregame show. A lot of fun. But then uh, you know reality showed up in uh, game two. Javier Assad on the bump for the Cubs. You know what really makes me red ass, Dustin? Is is think about this. You start off the game. And you only had to use, because of what Hayden Wesniski did, you only had to use two pitchers. Two pitchers. You, you got a fresh bullpen, you, you know, and, and all of a sudden in comes Javier Assad. What's he going to do? Who knows? It's Javier Assad versus Mike Miner. Bottom of the second, Nelson Velasquez and Jan Gomes with back-to-back singles. Higgins had his single of his own. That scores Velasquez. Gomes the third. Cubs lead one nothing. Unfortunately, Morell strikes out and magical grounds into a double play. So you think you could have got a little bit more of that. Top of the third, we mentioned him in the last podcast, the guy who plays at all-star level against the Cubs and only the Cubs, Aristides Aquino, homers on to Waveland. He almost, Glenn Allen, hilled that ball, and the game is tied at one. Top of the four, Jake Fraley with a solo homer, and that was not as magnificent, but it gave the Reds a two-to-one lead. And think about this, though. You, 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 you're in the top, top of the sixth, and Assad is still pitching, Okay. So, you know, he gave up two solo home runs. Big whoop. The kid's pitching pretty good. No problem. And so he strikes out T.J. Friedel, and then he gives up back-to-back innings to Jonathan India and Kyle Farmer. Clearly, he's run out of gas. Eric Ullman comes in to relieve Assad. Immediately, a four-pitch walk to Jake Freely. It wasn't even close. He gives up an infield single to Spencer Steer, gets by Ullman, and, and Morell, who's been struggling at third, Picks it up, spins. He had plenty of time. Chucks it in the dugout. India scores. Farmer scores. Fraley to third. Steer to second. And now the Cubs trail four to one. Donovan Solano singles. Fraley scores. Steer to third. Reds take a five to one lead. Michael Rucker mercifully replaces Ullman. He gives up a single to Aristides Aquino. And Steer scores. That makes it six to one. And, you know, thankfully the inning finally ends. And then, of course, top of the ninth. Aristides Aquino, one more time, he, he puts up another one, and the Cubs trail seven to one. Sure, why not? Right, finals. just, just, just why not another home run from the guy? I mean, that's one of those where you just crumple it up and you toss it in the garbage can and you take it right out to the curb and let the garbage man come pick it up. I mean, that was just miserable game watching that one. I didn't feel good about anything. Usually, at least Crowley with a lot of these Cubs losses, and as you and I know, and our listeners know, there have been plenty of them. Usually, there's something. I mean, Assad wasn't terrible, but usually there's something, but I was really disappointed in Morrell in the field in that game. That that throw was absolutely awful. Yeah, just, just trying to do too much, and like you said, Javier Assad... 5.1 innings, five hits, four runs. But again, two of those runs that were charged to him were given up by Ullman. One walk and six Ks, so not bad. The offense, you want to talk about bad again? One run on 12 hits. How often do you hear that one? 11, 11 singles. singles. They're yeah. like the White Sox, Crowley. All they do is hit singles. Nine left on base, one for 10 with runners in scoring position. Gomes went four for four. Good for him. Fran Mil Reyes, two for four. But I, I just could not believe how they couldn't put together, they couldn't get the clutch hit. Mike Miner went 5.2 innings pitch. He gave up 10 hits, all of them singles. And they only ended up with one run out of the whole situation. Uh, for the Reds, they had seven runs on 10 hits, four left on base, three for five with runners in scoring position. 
Aquino, like we talked about, three for four with three RBIs and two homers. Yep, so right now the series is tied one-to-one. -one. We move into game three. That was played Thursday afternoon, and we're recording this just moments after the game. Zach's pregame is probably still going on as Crowley and I are recording this for you. Adrian Sampson got the start for the Cubs in the rubber game against the Reds. Sampson versus Luis Sesa, and uh, you, you, you know, what do we keep saying about Sampson is that he always keeps you in it, and there was no bad inning this time. Everything's fine. Bottom of the fifth, Nico Horner triples. And God, I'm thinking the one guy that's feeling so good and so relieved right now is the center fielder from the Reds, TJ Friedel. That guy looked, he lost two balls in the sun, had one go off his glove. It was just a disaster. I mean, the Cubs are lucky that they were even in this at all. Um, but that, that it counts as a triple. He lost the ball. Horner gets a triple. PJ Higgins with a sack fly. Cubs lead one nothing. Um, bottom of the six zero out. Say Suzuki doubles to TJ Friedel. Franmil Reyes singles. Cubs lead to nothing. Top of the seventh. So Adrian Sampson still pitching in the seventh. He gives up a solo home run to Kyle Farmer, and Kyle Farmer hits home runs. It's what he does. But the Cubs still have a two one lead. Bottom of the seventh. Horner doubles. Higgins sack bunt moves him to third. Revis walks. You get a pitching change. Ortega and magical strikeouts. He had a runner at third and one out, and you couldn't get him in, and that's going to come back to bite him. Top of the eighth, Manny Rodriguez comes into the game. The man, Rod, he gets Alejo Lopez to line out, but then TJ Friedel walks. Jonathan India lines out, so you two outs. Kyle Farmer singles. Friedel moves to third. And so all of this ends up happening when they took uh, Manrod out and they put in Rowan Wick. And that's where you start to really kind of have that disaster is that after he gave up the two <laughs> singles, they put in Wick. And so Fraley walks. He walks two guys, Dustin. He well, bases loaded walk to Spencer Steer. I mean, Spencer who? In. Exactly. And then and, and the game's tied two to two. And, and, Rowan Wick was just absolutely awful. I, I don't even know what to say, man. I, I I don't know what to say. I immediately, unfortunately, Crowley, as soon as he made the walk to tie the game, I my mind went right to Crowley. Immediately. Right I, to I, you, buddy. I, I keep thinking, of, you know, I, I know he's had his ups and downs, but it, the downs are way outnumbering the ups at this point, and, and you wonder if he is fixable. Bullpens are weird, and all of a sudden some guys have good years, some have bad, but this has been painful to watch. Absolutely painful is right, Crowley. Absolutely painful. Bottom of the eighth, the Cubs look like a little bit of hope. Here it comes. Say a Suzuki homers. Cubs lead 3-2. You only need three outs. Mark Leiter Jr. comes into the game. Nick Senzel walks. Jose Barrios bunts out foul. Alejo Lopez triples. The game is now tied in three. Friedel strikes out, and it's going to be Jonathan India who singles to walk it off. So at this point, <laughs> Dustin, let's let's be honest with the listeners right here is that th this is what we expected to happen when you traded the back end of the bullpen. So Jordan Bastian tweeted this out. He said the Cubs bullpen ranked 27th in MLB in ERA, 520 since the trade deadline going into today. So, I mean, that's it. You traded away your bullpen and this is what you're going to get. You're going to have guys that are not 100% ready for the role. You have young guys trying to make a name for themselves. You have guys, reclamation projects like Newcomb. You have 
young guys like Manrod coming up. You got, uh, you know, uh, guys that they're trying to fix like Rowan Wick. You know, if, if you have your normal bullpen, it's Scott Efrost in the game. It's, it's um, you know, you're, you're talking about Chris Martin into the game. You're talking about David Robertson into the game. You're not talking about the guys that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, the Cubs now have 80 losses, I believe, on the season, Crowley. I think they've lost more one-run games than anybody in Major League Baseball. And this gets back into our, our fandom versus what's smart baseball. Do you want the Cubs to win games because you're paying money to go to the games? You're paying for the marquee network. You're watching the games. You're still buying a little Cubs gear. Or do you want them to lose the game so you get a top five pick? They'll, they'll spend some money. They've got a good farm system going right now. Some young guys got some good experience. And maybe they're not that far away from being competitive, at least in this division again. Look, for, for the most of us, we're, we, nobody likes spending three hours, three-plus hours to watch a team lose. And especially, like I said, we're talking about bullpen losses, which are the heart. You know, they count the same as every other loss. But when you got the lead and, and you're, you know, you're three outs away and all of a sudden you lose in crushing fashion, that's the worst thing. It's like, guys, you know, that's three and a half hours of my life I'll never get back. So, I mean, obviously the, the, the smart thing is get the best draft pick, whatever, you know, all that all that stuff that you talk about but from a fan standpoint it's not enjoyable uh it's not fun to watch um and 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 it's what we expected with the bullpen but it doesn't make it any easier to digest it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 31 of the Fly the W670 Podcast, and we're calling this one Red-Assed. All right, here we go. This is going to be a really, really fun episode because it's two of our podcasts in one Garlic Fries and Baseball guys, Mark Willard. Crawley is with us in Chicago for the Fly the W podcast, and we're going to get together because these two teams are getting together except for Crawley. I know when I circled this, and I'm coming, by the way, I'll be at Wrigley Saturday, which I'm really excited about, but when I circled this and I bought the flight, I was expecting a little bit more uh, playoff drama uh, intensity in this series than, uh, than we're going to get. Yeah, you know, I, I was I was surprised when I looked at San Francisco this year. I watched that season you guys had last year, and I was like, man, you know, everyone's talking Dodgers and Padres, and San Francisco inserted themselves into the conversation. And so, you know, interested to see what was going to happen with you guys, and, and and you've had a year that probably isn't what you expected to begin with. For the Cubs, you know, this what we knew right away coming into this season that this was going to be a tough one to stomach. You were looking at 90 to 100 losses, and that's roughly what they're on pace for right now. Well, I'm fascinated by it. First of all, you're totally right with what the Giants fans were hoping for and what they got, and, and there's actually um, some, some distaste and anger 
uh, from the fan base that we've rarely seen through the years. They've dealt with losing seasons like any team, but um, this particular group has kind of rubbed the fan base raw, which we can talk about a little bit. But I, I'm certainly interested, especially because of those three trades that the Cubs made last year, one of them coming to San Francisco and Chris Bryant's experience here. As a team is going through any kind of a rebuild, um, you know, talking about financial issues, there's a lot of that with the Giants right now. They've fallen down to 13th in payroll. Um, I think our city expects them to be in the top 10, and I'd expect the same for a Chicago club. These are two of the biggest markets in America. And so um, I, I think our Giants fans are expecting a lot of money to be thrown around this offseason. And so I'm curious how Cubs fans are still sort of reasoning with what what your franchise did last year in sending out its three most popular players and, and kind of saying that money was the reason. Well, we, we looked at it and, 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 and the extensions didn't get done. And, and if you looked at the calendar for all these guys, for arbitration, for contracts coming up, it just so happened that everybody came up at 2020. And so the assumption here in Chicago was, okay, we got one last run at it. Right. And, and, and let's see what happens. And the hope was, you know, keep one of the three, maybe two of the three, you know, Anthony Rizzo was a guy that really was there during that whole transition of the Cubs being a laughing stock to being world champions. He's the guy who catches the final out. So you figured some combination of two out of three, but before the season starts and people forget this, they traded you Darvish to San Diego. Yep. And so, you know, right away, Hey man, nobody is, is, is trying to win a, a division by trading their ACE. That doesn't happen. So you, it right away, that was just like the white flag. And so when that trade line deadline came, it was Rizzo that got dealt first and that just shocked all of us. And then goes Javi. And then that ended with Chris Bryant, right? We thought maybe Bryant made it through the deadline. That was right at the last minute, but, but that was, that was, you know, it was shocking. I think for everybody, it, it was, it was shocking. And, you know, all of a sudden the, the, this, this team that accomplished what all Cub fans, you know, those who were with us, those who were no longer with us dreamed of, just faded away really quick. And, and for, 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 you know, you guys got the 49ers and you, you got the, you got the giants and you had the even year magic. When we were talking about the bears with the Cubs, we're like, please don't be the 85 bears where you just get one championship and be done. Let's yep. hope that this team can really do something and put together a nice run. And unfortunately it didn't happen. Now that that's tough to look at. And, and the other thing that we dealt with is, is cost cutting, like you said, but it was not only with the player's salary, but scouts, people that were working behind the scenes at Wrigley. So it was, it was, it was a, it was a bloodbath. It was, it was awful. And, and so, you know, I'm trying to, you know, now that it's all kind of passed and you're taking a look at it, you know, looking back in hindsight, you're angry at the time that it happened. And again, still, I feel like Anthony Rizzo should have retired a cub. Um, with Javi, there was questions about, you know, how long his game was going to, you know, he, he's such a physical athlete, such a freak. He does things that most people can't, but you wondered how that was going to age over a long-term contract with Chris Bryant, who you guys know very well, you know, there was no question about how good he was. It was just always injuries. And it was one of those things that, you know, over the course of 162, you're going to be banged up, but it seems to me like he never played his best unless he was 100% healthy, and that's hard to do over 162. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, Chris Bryant, I think there's two things that come up when you say everything that you just said. Um, it's interesting that you sort of say there was no question 
about, you know, who Chris Bryant was and who he was going to be. The popular thought here is that the Giants, because he he was good, it wasn't great. It was good at first. It was, you know, it was solid, like his his short stint with the Giants and and certainly with with where their offense is, the fans wanted him back. But it seemed like, from an organizational standpoint, they felt there was a lot of athleticism in his swing and that it wasn't necessarily going to age well. Um, they did. He said this publicly. They've offered him a contract. They wanted to do two or three years. The Rockies offered seven, and, and the Giants just were not willing to have Chris Bryant on their team past his 35th birthday. And, and so I wonder if your perception at the time of discussing an extension was any different uh, than, than that about Chris Bryant. So when we had some extension talks, and it's been one of these arguments between both camps, we had a, a Chicago uh, reporter report that there was an extension north of $200 million. Brian's camp has pushed back and said that wasn't offered. And so there's a lot of – there was a lot of little things that were bad blood. I mean, the Cubs don't have the greatest relationship with Scott Boris. And with Chris Bryant, um, there was the service time manipulation right. where they called him right. up a little bit later so that they could get the extra year of control. And so there was, a, so there, Chris filed the grievance against the Cubs that that took years to get done. So there was always kind of this feeling that it just wasn't going to get done with Chris for a multitude of reasons, and that was tough because you know. You got a guy that came in. He was the minor league ball player of the year for the Cubs. He was rookie of the year for the Cubs. He was MVP of the year for the Cubs. And so you're thinking to yourself, this is the chosen one, the one that that's going to bring the Cubs, you know, all, all, all the accolades and all the glory. And, and again, it was, you know, he's a really good player. He's a really good player. But the amount of money and the amount of years and, and the health concerns, I think, are what really kind of, you know, like I said, I think a lot of people wanted to keep Javi because he's electric and he's fun. And Anthony Rizzo was a guy that everyone loved. And, and Brian, it was almost like you were just, you know, resigned to the fate that it probably wasn't going to work out just based on kind of some of the bad issues that occurred earlier. Yeah. And then obviously you look at what's happened with the start of his, his Rockies career. And it's exactly what everybody would worry about, which is that it's been injury riddled. He's hit over 300, but it's only been 160 at bats. He's only got five home runs. And that's the start. Like when you look at that and you think now they've got six more years of this, I mean, just as a quick aside, the Rockies signing of Chris Bryant, to me, underlies that they've got to be one of the most mismanaged organizations in all of baseball. Like, why do you you huck Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story out the door because you don't want to sign those contracts? And then you turn around a second later and you do one of those contracts with Chris Bryant, and then he's injured for most of the first year. And it's like, my gosh, if you're a fan of the Rockies, you got to be thinking, this is the stupidest approach to this whole thing. Like, I don't get it. Well, I don't feel sorry for the Rockies because they just handed over Arenado to the Cardinals. So thanks right. a lot, Colorado. Appreciate yeah. that one. <laughs> and then the other thing, which I, this is what I really am fascinated by. Cause I can tell you this, you know, the giants fans West coast, we do not have the reputation of riding in the streets and screaming on sports talk radio when, when things are, are not perfect. But I can tell you this, I don't think, I've ever seen, and I don't think I ever will, the San Francisco Giants organization, if you won a title and then within two years shipped out all your best players, I mean, fan base gone. Like, absolutely. Like, that would be, to me, that is unacceptable, especially to cry poor when you're in such a major market and you have such a healthy fan base. It, it's wild to me 
that the Cubs uh, did that. And, 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 and I, I wonder how the fans have sort of reckoned with that. Cause that would not, that would not go over. Okay. Here. Well, Chicago fans are pretty loyal and, 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 you know, I mean this, you know, the 2016 team, 2017, they make it to the NLCS 2018, they lose in game 163, and then they go to a tiebreaker and lose that immediately. 2019, they don't make it. They fade in September. They had injury issues with Baez and Bryant, and Rizzo rolled his ankle really bad. And then 2020, they made it with that extended postseason, but got cleaned out by the um, Marlins. So what you saw, like 17, 18, 19, 20, they made it to the postseason all those years, but especially 18, 19, and 20, you started to see – that development wasn't happening the way that you kind of expected it. And it was the same story in, in, in all of those postseasons that I talked about, especially 18, 19 or 18 and 20 and, and fading in 19, they were in it up until the end, but it, it was all of a sudden just the inability to generate offense in the postseason. And so the, the belief sometimes, and again, I'm not, you know, there's a lot of fans who have different opinions. Um, some people think that they kept on to that core too long, that they maybe should have shook it up a little bit earlier uh, if you remember, they had Nick Castellanos for a short time, and he absolutely okay. crushed it at Wrigley. Yep. And it was like, well, why didn't you sign him to a longer-term deal? Um, it, it, it just was weird that you couldn't get the extensions. And so I think if all of a sudden, let's put it this way, let's say Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Javier Baez were out crushing it right now, I think Cubs fan base would have been absolutely livid. Huh. But the fact of the matter is that all three of those guys are, you know, Chris Bryant had a good first half, but then what we worried about as Cub fans, he's had this back issue, this reoccurring back issue. That's reared its head in New York. With Baez, he's had just one of – Baez struggled in 2020, and they said, well, you know, he needs fans in there to get him jacked up. And then in 2021, he was off a little bit. And then all, so then all, there was a little bit of trepidation on that one. People still liked him because he was fun to watch. When, when Javi's great, there's no more fun player in baseball. But when he's off – Oh Lord. And he's swinging at a, at a breaking ball in the other opposite batter's box. You're just going, Oh God, what's going on. And then Chris Bryant, what we all worried about was the injury history. So, I mean, nobody likes the fact that things are, that, that there have been, you know, they've gone cheap. And I think that you can start to see it with the attendance a little bit um, with the ratings for the Cubs marquee network, which, you know, is, is a relatively new network. Um, but I think that there is this groundswell of support that's going on a little bit right now for those people, you know, not everybody gets as deep in the minor leagues as I do, but you know, there are those of us that are aware that the Cubs are looking good, but there is that frustration because when Theo Epstein first came here, he said, we're going to tear it down to the studs. This is awful, but then we're going to, you're never going to have to deal with it again. And yeah. somehow here we are again, but at the same time, I think it's going to be, you know, the question is, is this a rebuild or a retool? You know what I mean? Whereas before you were talking 2011, 12, 13, 14, until you got to 15, where the Cub fans, I think next year, expect them to be competitive. They signed Marcus Stroman to a really a, a good team deal, I think. And they got Seiya Suzuki. So it was the first time in a while that the Cubs were actually competitive in picking up some free agents. Uh, Seiya Suzuki is someone I want to ask you about free agency, probably looming for Carlos Rodon as well. Want to get to all of those things and much more on this very special episode combo of garlic fries and baseball guys on the giants fly the W on the Cubs. Um, and let's continue and, uh, and get Dustin in here with us as well. And of course, both of us, both of our, our outfits, uh, welcome you to rate review and subscribe. 
All right, Dustin is in along with Mark Willard in San Francisco, Crawley in Chicago. Dustin rocking the shades, the buds, and uh, doing it all while driving. You want to talk about a good 2022 picture of uh, of either multitasking or being distracted. This is it. Yeah, I am uh, driving down the uh, Eisenhower right now, the good old Ike, uh, just uh, left Wrigley Field, actually. Uh, decent little crowd there and say Suzuki just put the Cubs up uh, three to two, but that's not, uh, that's not why we're here right now. Um, you know, Crowley pretty much nailed it. If the three guys, the Cubs let walk out that door um, had not had been doing something worthwhile, I think Cubs fans would have a whole different attitude right now. Plus as Crowley pointed out, some of the pieces they got back in these deals have already started to show that they're a little bit better than $5 scratch off tickets. Now they're not necessarily a lot of million dollars a week for the rest of your life, but they're somewhere in between. Um, so I think that's what Cubs fans are hanging their hat on right now. I mean, the offense was broke. Something had to give Theo said that it's just one of his famous drops. We play all the time on the score. The offense is broke and it was absolutely broke. The biggest guy that got away that they got absolutely nothing for and you would love to have right now is Kyle Schwarber. That's the guy who got away. That's the guy who they completely misjudged and mismanaged. Hey, while we're talking about these trades, I bet Giants fans would be interested to hear a little bit when you're looking about, as you said, what they got in return, uh, the minor leaguers that came to you in exchange for Chris Bryant. And I know Caleb Killian um, has actually had a cup of coffee with the team. It didn't necessarily go so well. I know his ERA is over 10 in, uh, in his appearances, but how, how are you rating the Chris Bryant trade uh, uh, you know, a year plus later? Well, there's, there's two guys that were really involved in the trade, and, and, and Cub fans are excited about both of these prospects. You mentioned Caleb Killian. I, I was there at his debut. I was in the bleachers. It was against the Cardinals, and he looked really, really good. After that, he had some bumps in the road, which – you know, you come to expect with young pitchers and, and the Cubs are doing much better this time around than the last rebuild about pitching development. So Caleb Killian is a guy that Cub fans are ex uh, especially excited about. The other guy that you mentioned, it would have been Kevin Alcantara and he is in uh, low a Myrtle beach, but he's, he has turned a lot of heads and he is a guy that hits for power and he, he plays a great outfield. So you have two potential pieces, one of them in Killian, who definitely should be at some, you know, whether he's going to be a starter or a bullpen piece. A lot of times with the Cubs, they like to use these guys as bullpen pieces first. Uh, you saw that this year with uh, Justin Steele and uh, Keegan Thompson. They last year they they played some. Uh, they had a more of a bullpen role, and this year they've been starters. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Caleb Killian in a a bullpen or maybe like a three four inning type role next year. So very excited about that. And like I said, Kevin Alcantara, Alcantara is somebody that is on a lot of people's radar. And I want to say he's, he's in the top 30 prospects the Cubs have. So, you know, they're exciting young players. And the Cubs this time around are, are filled with a lot. Last time, you know, you could go through the Cubs farm system and you could say Glabar Torres and you could say Addison Russell and Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant and, 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 and Eloy Jimenez. And you can go down the list, but what you couldn't do is you couldn't name any pitchers. Okay. They didn't develop any pitching at all. 
And so that was what killed the Cubs is when these extensions and these, uh, you know, all the arbitration uh, issues came up is that they were spending so much, you know, they spent so little on those position players when they won the World Series, they put all their money towards pitching. But then you were expecting pitching to come up and it never did. And now you had to pay for pitching and position players that were all making bigger money because of arbitration and because of free agency. So this time around, you have a good mix of young pitchers and hitters. So in the Chris Bryant trade, you got a pitcher and a hitter. And, and, and you look at it, these guys are going to come in waves where everybody with the Cubs kind of came up at the same time. All the young players came up end of 2014, 2015 is when all these guys came up. And then because they needed pitching, they traded away a lot of other players and there was nothing to back that up. And so this time around, you see that these guys are kind of staggered in age, like 23, 22, 21, 19, 18, 17. And so there'll be more and more waves of talent. And like I said, that having both pitching and hitting in the minors, both developing strongly, I think that's going to help the Cubs a lot more in the future. You don't have to, you don't have to pay for the mistakes that you don't make by developing these players. Yeah. And I know also like giants fans will be interested and maybe not love the, uh, the news that, um, you know, we don't follow much minor leaguers once they leave the, uh, the program, but Alexander Canario, who was in that Chris Bryant trade as well, had 31 combined home runs in your minor league system this year. He moved from high A to double A where he spent most of the year and then has reached triple A and has a, uh, let's see, a combined OPS this year of 866. So pretty good. And that's something that could certainly lead to dividends down the road. And, and the Giants fans got Chris Bryant and, and a playoff run, but it didn't go very far. So um, that's part of the uh, conversation as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'd love to hear a couple of names. One who you guys already mentioned, and he's on your team now. I want to get to that in a second. But at the center of a Giants fan's mind right now is Carlos Rodon. And, and A, I'd love to know, as from a Cubs perspective, uh, in the future, your thought on a player like this, but also just because he was pitching for so long in your city. The big discussion if Rodon opts out, which I'm sure he will, he's got a $22 million player option for next year, but it's been a healthy season. It's been an all-star season. He's going to opt out. The big discussion here is if he's going to get like $30 million over five years, is that a smart move? And, I, and the way the Giants do business, I think even most fans are like, ah, that takes him to age 35. That, that makes me nervous. If the market only calls for three, I'd go 30 million for, for three, 
you know, 30 million per year for three years in a heartbeat. I would not do 30 million a year for five. Where, where are you guys on this? I'm going to let Dustin take this first. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah. I, Mark, I could not agree with you more. I mean, first, let me, let me put it, let me tap the brakes a second. I am thrilled that Carlos Rodon has gotten his health together and that he's been able to grind this out. He's having a nice year for the giants. I have no ill will for him, but he is not the type of guy that I want my favorite team, the team I cheer for to pay $100 million. No, thank you. Absolutely not. First of all, the Cubs aren't quite there yet. And again, Carlos Rodon is not the guy in, if the Giants were somehow going to be in the postseason, which probably, when would you would you give you trust Carlos Rodon to be the game one or game seven or this the must win game starter? I, I don't. That that's not well, that's, that guy. That's interesting, it, but I can tell you here the that like yes, we've only watched it for one year and he's dominated. I mean, he's setting right. records for strikeouts. He's right up there in the tops of the league. One of the concerns from Giants fans is if you don't keep this guy, who's your game one starter if you make the playoffs? If you make the playoffs. The other thing that happened this morning on the Mully and Haw show is that David Haw actually put John Lester's name and Carlos Rodon's name in the same sentence, and I almost dropped dead in the score studios. I said the only thing those two guys have in common is their left-handed pitchers. I mean, Carlos Rodon is not going to set the compass for the next great Cubs team. But you're right, Mark. This year, he's having a thing, but I just, I just, you know, 35 at the end of that thing. I, I go three years, 90 million. I, I could stomach that, but I don't, I don't know that that would be best for the Cubs, three years, 90 million. I think they could do better with their resources of three years and $90 million. Look, Mark, uh, the way that I look at it here is we, we, we got a close look, Rodon, from the south side. I mean, just the yep. other side of town. I was livid when the Giants signed, when they signed Rodon, because I thought he was a perfect candidate for the Cubs because hmm. the Cubs were doing these sign and flip deals. You knew they weren't going to stay with the team. And the thing we always knew is that you had injury history with Rodon, hard time staying healthy, but when he is healthy, he's a very dominant pitcher. Yep. And so to me, I said, okay, I would not want to sign this guy to a five-year deal, which is what he's at least going to want. So I was like, if you can get, I, what did you guys pay him? I, uh, it wasn't. Two, it's a two, two year, 22 and a half per year, but the opt out in between the two years. Right. And so to me, that was a tailor made deal for the Cubs because they have nothing but money. Right. They have plenty of money that they could spend on this and they could have flipped him and gotten a big return. And they didn't do that. And I thought that was a huge mistake on the Cubs part, but do what I want him long-term yeah, just it's it's a lot of money for a guy that has we saw have a lot of health injuries when he was here, and so that is that was always my concern with Rodon. Yeah, I, I if he can I totally, get it somewhere, if he can get it somewhere, God bless him and his family. I just don't want it to be the Cubs giving it to him. Yeah, if it's five, I'm out. If it's three, I'm in. That's kind of the line that that I draw. But uh, I, Giants fans, I don't think need to worry about it because uh, they haven't signed anybody to a deal longer than three years since Farhan Zaidi got here. Uh, and it's year four. They've, they've, in fact, they've been incredibly hesitant to even give anybody three years. I think only three players have gotten that. So long-term deals, at least at this point, don't sound like part of, of, of their approach yet. They say that they're out there. That's on the table. They will make those offers. You guys talked about being livid when Rodon came to the giants. 
I can tell you I was living when Seiya Suzuki went to the Cubs. That was the guy I wanted. That was the offseason signing I wanted them to make and I thought they were going to make. Seiya made some interesting statements mid-year that I guess uh, there was something actually about the city of San Francisco that made his wife a little bit uncomfortable. It's a little bit too like he had seen some things on the news about what it was like inside the city and it was a little bit too much and and whatnot. And so um, that that made some headlines out here. But I'd love to know from a couple of people who've watched every game and sort of experienced his first year. His numbers are fine. They're not gaudy. But what, what do you guys think of Seiya Suzuki? Uh, Seiya has been a great player. Um, he did have an injury that kind of hurt him a little bit, uh, uh, sliding into a base things, a pinky injury. Um, what you see with Seiya is that you have seen him kind of, it's been this constant adjustment to the league. So he, he, he came out gangbusters in April, absolutely lit the world on fire. And then he kind of struggled in May and then he got injured. And then, so it's kind of been like, he goes through these, um, different, you know, very streaky. So sometimes he's hitting three, 400 for a couple of weeks, and then he'll go to be hitting 100 for a couple of weeks. And it's this back and forth game. So for whatever reason, a lot of times when Cubs get free agents at first year is kind of a rough one. It's a little bit bumpy. And you've seen that with Saya, and, and that's not even including, you know, coming over to a different country, a different culture and adjusting to a new league. So he, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him, his base running, his defense has been good. Um, and then, when, when he's on offensively, he's fun to watch. So he's a guy I think that you're, when you see him in year two, he's going to be even better. Yeah. yeah. I hope Crowley's, I hope Crowley's right. I mean, he's been, he's been all right. Um, one of the guys who I really love talking baseball in Chicago is Bruce Levine. And I remember when they made the signing and Bruce said, you know, if this guy hits about 275 and has, 20 home runs every year and about 90 RBIs. People, I'm like, what? For the kind of money and the investment, you, he's got to do better than that. Now, I don't think he's, again, the linchpin of the Cubs getting back into uh, National League contention. He's a nice piece. I think he'd be on a, a really good Cub team. He'd be a great fixture out in right field, plays some good defense, has some power. I think he's got a lot of good baseball smarts, acumen. He really lost me when probably how long did he miss six weeks with that finger at least? Yeah, he, he I, missed, I mean, yeah. I mean, when he it's a, it's a finger, man, come on, six weeks for a little finger. And I know the Cubs stink out loud. I get that. And maybe if the Cubs were in contention, he wouldn't be acting that way. But when you're the brand new guy and you're the highest paid brand new guy, at least for this Cubs fan, and I'm guessing the listeners of this Cubs podcast, you gotta, you gotta at least show up, you know, availability is a big part of it. What? Yeah. What was the home run he just hit? Was that number 12 this year? I believe 12 or 13. And he's hit a yeah. couple, he's hit a couple in just the last week or so. So the power numbers are not where I thought they would be. I thought he'd be at least 20 this year. And, um, and, 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 and the yeah, thing ahead, though, to, to kind of keep in mind is that when the Cubs did have all their guys, Baez, Brian Schwarber, you know, you had a lot of three true outcomes, strikeout, walk, home run. And what you're looking, what they were looking to do is diversify their lineup a little bit. And so Saya isn't a guy that's going to give you 30 runs, you know, 100 RBIs, but he is a guy that is going to make a lot of contact. That's the hope is that the strikeout rate will be low and that he's going to be able to get on base. And that's what they want to do is kind of, kind of be more dynamic, get the ball. And, and they've done it this year a little bit, 
But unfortunately, they're hitting it on the ball too much, and they're grounding into a lot of double plays and stuff like that. But that's what they're looking to do is they're looking to um, have guys that can make contact. Uh, Nick Magical is another guy that they acquired for Craig Kimbrell last year, stuff like that. But they want they want guys that are, are good contact hitters and not – that's what they felt was the problem in the postseason is all these guys, they couldn't score when, you know, they couldn't find a way to manufacture runs. And I think they're looking more that route. Crawley and Dustin fly the W Mark Willard, garlic fries and baseball guys, our special giants, Cubs combo uh, platter podcast here as we get ready for the series at Wrigley this weekend. Glad you're with us. And we invite you to subscribe. All right. I got I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, really quick, you were right. I made the mistake on that. Alcantara came. Alcantara came on the Rizzo deal, yeah. And Alexander Canario came with Caleb Killian, and he is ninth in the season, uh, ninth on their prospect list. And he did start the year in Tennessee, but has moved up to AAA. And again, now you got two top ten picks out of that whole situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is something that um, you know, no one's in San Francisco is thinking about that now. But if it goes a certain way over the next three years that's the kind of deal that actually I mean it was applauded heavily at the time and I and I still would I mean Canario was a a prospect I I think he was on the back end of the top 10 even in the Giants organization but that's a deal you make when you're in the middle of a 100 plus win season for sure but you know I, I could liken that deal to an Andrew McCutcheon deal that the Giants made years ago uh, which turned into Brian Reynolds being a mainstay in the outfield for the Pirates and a guy that the Giants would love to have back. So we'll see. We'll see if Canario uh, becomes that kind of player in the future for the Cubs. Uh, a couple other things I want to I want to chat with you guys because um, I think that your market and our market are, I guess, two of the three markets that should have a big opinion on this. John Heyman and others have mentioned this, but in the middle of this Aaron Judge home run run, John Heyman now has made the statement a number of times. If he gets to 62, that's the true single season home run record holder, which of course wipes away Barry Bonds, wipes away Sammy Sosa, wipes away Mark McGuire. And we know exactly what he's getting at, but revisionist history for me is not doable. Uh, Acting like everyone's innocent when we don't know what's, I have no idea you know, like, sure, we get what what Sammy and Mark and, and Barry, what we think we know they did. But but, you know, we have no idea what's going on in the world of 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 Aaron Judge to Roger Maris to to Babe Ruth. I just don't think and you've got guys in the Hall of Fame, Pudge Rodriguez, Mike Piazza and beyond. I don't think you can draw lines like that. And I can tell you that San Francisco uh, spits on that take. That, that Aaron Judge right now simply needs to get to 62 to, uh, to be the new single-season home run record holder, at least emotionally. How does, how does that grab you guys? Well, John Heyman's not showing his New York bias there, is he? <laughs> uh, come on. John Heyman's a regular on our show. <laughs> John's great. I, yeah, us too. Odyssey Insider. I got it. I, I'm like, right. John's great. John's great, but it's, it's his take. And I just, I mean, I disagree with it. Well, as long as he's not voting for those guys for the Hall of Fame. And again, you're right, Mark. It's his take. He's entitled to it. You know, the question is, here's the thing. Did did Bonds, did McGuire, did Sosa hit all those home runs because they cheated? 
I don't, I don't think so. Maybe they stayed healthy, at least in the case of uh, Mark McGuire. Um, I think Bonds just decided he had to change the focus of his game because chicks dig the long ball, right? We'll go back a couple decades. So it's also ironic. I heard today on the Cubs broadcast as I was driving out here, it's, this is the anniversary of Mark McGuire actually hitting his 62nd home run at Wrigley Field. And Crowley, check my math here. I want to say Pat said 24 years ago. Has it been that long already? It'd be 98. So, yeah, 24 years ago. 24 Jeez. years. I mean, it seems – it doesn't seem like yesterday, but it sure doesn't seem like a quarter of a – come on, 24 years ago? Wow. No joke. No um, joke. It's a great – listen, Mark, this is a great topic. It's very interesting. Um, and that's why I hope Judge actually smashes it so we can just be done with it, right? Like, let Judge hit 70 this year so we can huh. just be done with it because then it'll just be about Aaron Judge. And let's hope that somehow, some way, the Cubs can steal him from New York. I can tell you that there is frustration on the Cubs fans' part because we've seen how St. Louis fans have treated Mark McGuire, and we've seen how Boston has treated Barry Bonds, yet Sammy Sosa's persona non grata, like he's the worst human being in the world, he hasn't been back to Wrigley, no stretch, no throw, no first pitch. It's almost like they're trying to erase his history. And that's frustrating uh, for a lot of people. You know, my age, I was in college when that home run chase was going on. And, and for a lot of people, Sammy Sosa was the Cubs from the, you know, mid-90s to the early 2000s. And so the fact of the matter that he's not even welcomed at, at the ballpark where, where it seems like, you know, obviously, you know, you wish – that maybe and, and to sit there and put down just the players to pretend like ownership and other people didn't know what was going on oh, at that same on. time. Yeah. yeah. You know, you didn't care when the cash register was ringing and they were saving baseball after the strike. And so exactly right. Crowley preach it, man. You are, you could not be more right right now. There's no reason. Like I said, you want to sit there and, 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 and criticize the records. Like you said, you don't know what Aaron judge is doing. Uh, Alex, Alex Rodriguez never tested positive for anything. We know right. what he did. We don't know what everybody's doing. And, and no, no offense, the more money you have, the better chemist you have, the better drugs you're buying. They're always one step ahead. I'm not going to sit here nitpicking on this stuff. All I know is, is, is that, you know, I just wish Sammy would get the same kind of treatment in Chicago as, as Bonds has been shown in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And he is still very, very revered, even though everybody is, is also acknowledges um, the story and, and the way that it went. Now, in that conversation, Dustin, you just said something very interesting that I want to dive into because it feels like you guys have sort of, uh, I don't know if bought into is the right phrase, but you've accepted the fact that the Cubs are at a certain point in building back up after getting rid of all those big names last year. Are, are you feeling already ready to make an investment like Aaron Judge? Because this is a major conversation out here. Aaron grew up a Giants fan. The Giants have preached financial flexibility. They have it. In fact, if Rodon opts out and the Giants do not bring back Evan Longoria next year and they have the option to not, their payroll that is committed for next year is a grand total of $65 million. That's it. That's the Pirates, by the way. They would <laughs> need to spend over $100 million this offseason just to get back to 10th place in payroll and spending, which I feel like the Giants should be every year. You absolutely should be in this market, be top 10. 
So whether or not Aaron would leave the Yankees is question one. Where would he go next is question two. But I, I can tell you his name comes up on our show almost every day. Do you feel like the Cubs are, are going to make an Aaron Judge chase? I, I would think they better be in the conversation. I, I mean, absolutely. Uh, Ricketts, Ricketts has been on record, Crowley, right, saying that that can't happen again. We can't give Cubs fans the year that they had. So you better be in the market. And again, can you imagine Aaron Judge in Wrigley Field? I mean, can you imagine how many home runs that he will hit? I, I mean, he might put one on top of one of the rooftops. I mean, so I, I yes, I think they're going to spend. This is a winnable division. This division is not that great. They are they are they are a they are a one great home run hitter and one starting pitcher away from winning that division. Now that doesn't mean you're going to win a World Series by any stretch, but that's all they are away from this. Yeah, I, I would say that you know it, I think for Cub fans, it it really seems like it's Yankees or West Coast with Judge. So I mm. guess nobody's really kind of gotten their hopes. I remember back when Bryce Harper was, you know, coming up and everyone was, was reading the tea leaves and he named his dog Wrigley and he talked about how much he loved Chicago. Yeah. So it was like, Oh man, Bryce Harper wants to come. So I, it hasn't felt that same way with Aaron judge. Would I love Aaron judge to be wearing a blue pinstripes instead of black? Absolutely. It just, I guess I haven't let myself dream that big yet. <laughs> well, we're all, we all do this, which is we try to get in their heads ahead of time. And, and we, we did this, uh, we did this with Garrett Cole, who essentially has a brother-in-law on the Giants, where it's like, oh, I bet he'd want to come back. He's from here. Like, very rarely is that actually what drives this. We know exactly what drives this. And that's why I keep telling Giants fans, actually, they should be optimistic about Aaron Judge, not because he's from here. If you want Aaron Judge, be the high bidder. That's it. It's not about, oh, who's who lives where, geography, this, that, the other. The Yankees made me mad. Be the high bidder. You're going to get the player 90% of the time. I, I would be happy with Aaron Judge coming there, and I, and I don't care what his dog is named. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> – I would be absolutely thrilled to have – you know, and, and you know, for, for, for – you know, you talk about these big markets. I mean, like, guys like Judge, like, Chicago fans eat that up. And, and you, know, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, uh, you know, we're still talking about Refrigerator Perry 30 years later. <laughs> you know what I mean? So just like those type of personalities and those type, of, you know, larger than life figures. I mean, he would just be an absolute hit around here. Well, I I'm glad you brought up Fridge because I got one more question for you guys. And that is me and many, many of my Bay Area brothers and sisters are about to get on planes and get our butts to Chicago um, because the appetizer of Giants Cubs followed by the main course of week one, Justin Fields versus Trey Lance, 49ers Bears. I need some intel. I need some intel. I've been to Wrigley once in my life. I've never been to Soldier. We're doing a fantasy draft out there this weekend. We got both games. I got it all set. I got a big party going out there. What are we doing? Where are we going? Give me the intel. So you're, you're talking about it around Wrigley Field. So it all really kind of depends on what you're looking for. And that's the beauty of Wrigley Field is that you can walk down three blocks and find every type of bar that you could ever imagine. So you like country music? You like country bars, country live mans? You go to Old Crow. How about beer? Are you an IPA guy, a guy that likes kind of crazy beers? You go to Lucky Doors. Uh, if you go to Brick House, you get a beautiful view of Gallagher Way, which I don't know the last time you were out here but it's this beautiful park area that we kind of have right in front of Wrigley now. 
Um, Nise Lounge is the oldest bar in Wrigleyville. If you want the classic dive bar where you, it's called the Chicago handshake. You order a Chicago handshake. It's old style with a shot of Malort. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Malort, but it, it's something that you got to say that you tried. Um, you know, Cubby Bear and Sluggers. Sluggers has the batting cages if you want to go and, and test your luck. And they have dueling pianos after games if you want to go there and get a little crazy. Oh, man, I'm trying. There, there's so much to do and see there. And I know I'm probably forgetting someplace. But Bernie's is kind of an old school place. It has some good food. There, there, you just have a little bit of everything right there. You, you know, HVAC has live music. Uh, Smoke Daddy's has some great barbecue. If you want some great barbecue with some beer and some, they, they had a lot of blues bands pre-pandemic. That's another fun one to go to. You just, you can't go wrong there, but you, you do got to go with the Chicago handshake, the old style, uh, the Malor shot chased by the old style. Yeah, that's definitely on the top of the list. You got to do that. And then really you can't go wrong anywhere on Clark street. You want to stay by, there's nothing to do by soldier field. So you definitely want to take care of the uh, the fun and the uh, entertainment value over around Wrigley, no doubt about that. Yeah, and then what about at Soldier Field or Wrigley? What am I ordering during the game? Is there you got any 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 special any special thing, or is it just dog and a beer? Is it that simple? It's that simple. I've seen right. your I've seen your offerings out there in San Francisco, and trust <laughs> me, man, you got, your options here are pretty much hot dog and Italian beef. Okay. Um, <laughs> I got nothing against that, by the way. I know we named our damn podcast after one of the food items here in San Francisco, but I got nothing against anything here. No, no. It, it, honestly, what I do is I, I eat outside of the stadium. That's, that's usually my go-to. I, I've, I go to so many games as a season ticket holder and been doing this for 40 years. I've had plenty of dogs and plenty of Italian beefs. You can, you, you can go around Wrigley and you can go to Wrigleyville dogs. You can go to um, output has phenomenal wings. If you like wings, yeah. Output on Clark, absolutely phenomenal. If you go a little bit north on Clark, uh, north and Wave, Clark and Waveland, some of the best best uh, wings that you could have is another great place. Yoxie's has got some good food, but I, I would prefer to eat outside the stadium than look around inside the stadium. Um, my gosh, I I'm, I, I got to ask you a question. My... I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you know where, are you going into the bleachers? No, well, we're not sitting in the bleachers. No, no, I'm sitting. We're sitting. Uh... I mean, I don't know. we're sitting in pretty good seats here, guys. Right, we're sitting right. in pretty good seats, yeah. I was going to say, bleachers have some options out there. They have a place okay. called Hot Dogs that has some pretty crazy uh, hot dog variations named after former Cubs players that are very foodie-type hot dogs that are that people rave about. So that would be well, – the bleachers has better food than the grandstand would be my recommendation. Okay, well, maybe we'll go for a walk. Maybe we'll go for a walk. But uh, uh, I'm already planning my next weekend because that was a lot of different options. We will explore them for sure. Guys, this has been a ton of fun. Fly the W and Garlic Fries and Baseball guys getting ready for the Bay Area invasion of Chicago. Um, looking forward to being out there and had a great time chatting with both of you. Well, we had, we had a great time too, and hopefully the fortunes of both of our teams turns around next year as quick as possible. I would like a rematch of the 2016 NLDS, <laughs> not, not, not the 1989 NLDS. I'd like. I'd like to. I'd like to redo the ninth inning of the 2016 NLDS. Is what I'd like to do. I, I do have one complaint about you guys, man. Did you have to do Will Clark night last time the Cubs were out there? I mean, you, you got to give me some trigger warning on they, that, man. That's, they they, they, they tried. They tried to do it a year and a half ago, and this little <laughs> pandemic thing got in the way. That wasn't the plan. So you got to give us that at least. All right, all right. I just remember that Will Clark, 1989, Will the Thrill. Jeez, killed that's, us. That's my guy. That was my favorite player growing up. And, uh, yeah, yeah, one one home run followed by an even bigger home run. Yeah, it was it was nice. 
man. The boys of Zimmer. That was a fun year for us. But yeah, it's baseball's more fun when San Francisco and the Cubs are both good teams. I uh, I couldn't agree more. So there it is. Rate, review, subscribe. Garlic fries and baseball guys. Fly the W. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Take care, guys.